You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to session nine. We have had a little break because Angie has been away on holiday. So you'll get to hear about that. You'll get to hear an update of what has happened since we last spoke. I feel like obviously our last session was in the midst of quite a lot going on for Angie. So you'll get an update on that and where she's at with that and also get to really see her process around that, which I think is going to be super helpful. And then we talk about, you know, what are her next steps on bringing some of this to life and launching? So definitely a lot of updates, some really beautiful processing, and then some kind of practical strategic next steps are going to be part of this episode. So we'll kind of cover a broad range of things that I think will be really, really helpful. So I hope this serves you and I'm excited to give you guys this update. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I feel like it's been so long. It has been so long. Ah, it's been like three weeks. Yeah, you had what looked like to be an incredible trip. Tell me about it. It was absolutely amazing. For anyone who just, you know, has a baby boy (laughs) slash um, (laughs) nine-year-old who wants the, you know, the down low on maintaining good relationships, it's the solo holidays. So good. We just love it. We just had such a nice time. I love that. You guys. It's just so nice. (laughs) It was just kind of cute hanging out together and just relaxing. So we did it. This is the third year that we've done this, going away together for a couple of weeks, exclusively just the two of us in his holiday. And this year, I I just didn't plan anything. So I cancelled, you know, coaching with you, coaching anyone else, any other work. And it was just so good. And I kind of knew how I feel when I go away. So I don't want to have things in the back of my mind. So I also really got things tied up before I left. So it was just super nice. Ah, heaven. I'm so happy you got that time. So glad you did that. And I feel like it's so, it was such good timing off of like everything Mm. you were kind of coming off of. Like that was such an intense season and to just be able to kind of like go with it and integrate, be with your baby. Like that's so beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was really good. And um, I'm actually not back. I came back for a couple of days and I'm now in, I'm just looking at Mont Blanc over there, Chamonix. Okay. So I just, yeah, I just got here. Yes. uh, Today. So I hope the sound is okay. That's perfection. What are you doing there? Are you taking a vacation or? You know, just a bit more holiday, (laughs) just squeezing. I, I had planned to take about a month off. Not off, off, but kind of be away for a month. So two weeks with Arthur and then two weeks with my partner. And we're going, because the Tour de France is on at the moment. So we're going to watch some stages of the tour. And we wanted to come up to the Alps and do it. Do it in true French style. But I've just had, I think I've just eaten half a baguette. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I could just eat a baguette and look at the mountain. <laughs> You're like, I don't even I'm need done. to leave. Yeah, this was enough. Yeah. <laughs> totally Cheese, baguette, the mountain. But I have kind of in between 
coming back from Crete and coming to France, done another little roundup of things that needed doing. And what was so nice is because of all the conversations we've had before I left, you know, but like since we started coaching was just feeling like it's perfectly reasonable to take a holiday. Of course, I know that logically, but really feeling like it's perfectly reasonable to tell people way in advance, this is what's happening and this is when I'll be back. And actually, people are really happy to hear it. So I kind of like go into it with a sort of, oh, sorry, I need to tell you that I'm actually going to be away for and realizing people are like, oh, that's so amazing. You're taking time off. You're not going to, great, out of office. Fantastic. Have a good time with your son. And if anything, it's sort of, it's like I get annoyed about the lack of boundaries of other people, but they're my lack of boundaries because people yeah. if people don't know you're on holiday, then they're just going to keep talking to you like you're not. So that putting that around it has been really nice and just good practice for me. I love that. Oh my gosh. So, so exciting. And also like so cool that you got to take this you know, not from that place of like, I'm so burnt out, but yeah. from this place of like, I'm actually like on fire and, oh lit up and I still am allowed to take time off, right? It was literally brilliant. <laughs> it was so, so good. So I love what Angie said here about realizing that it's reasonable to take a holiday. And I think that, you know, it's so hard sometimes when we have our own business because sometimes that idea of being able to take unlimited time off, it actually keeps us from taking time off. I think, you know, a lot of companies actually give unlimited time off because they find that their employees take less time that way, which is really interesting. And I feel like that is very much what it was like in running your own business because you have to be so intentional about it and you have to feel like the permission and like really take up that space, right? Which is different than like, okay, you have whatever, you know, 15 vacation days and you kind of just expect that you'll use them. And so just a reminder, if you have your own business, it is reasonable to take a holiday, right? Um, You will have to plan for it and get yourself set up for that. But these are things that I think are so valuable and so important to make time for and make space for. And so I am hoping that this is just a reminder of that. If you're listening to this and you haven't done that in a while, I hope this is your moment to hit pause and go block that off on your calendar. I was saying to my partner on the way to on the way to France yesterday, I can't communicate how good it feels to have things being done. So, you know, my new OVM is doing things, my VA, she's doing things, just things of like, you know, I got all of the photos back from the photo shoot and, shoot and they're all in process for the next three months of social media and just things being done. And not feeling like I'm really burnt out and I need to take this break, but it's at the cost of the business running. And I'm nowhere near the, oh yeah, it just runs itself and you know, I can just take four months off and everything's good. But I can I'm seeing the glimmers, you know, the little yeah. chinks of light in the future that things will get there. And uh it is, as you say, it's just so nice to be on holiday and not be burnt out, but be on holiday and be excited about doing things. It's just great. Things being done without you is like very exciting. It it really is. It really is. And you know what? Having the, you know, because I'm now newly fully full of iron lady, having the energy to also open Basecamp and, you know, respond to people asking me questions because I was getting into the, I can't even 
you know, when you haven't got any energy, it's like I can't even respond to the thing that somebody's doing on my behalf or for me. Yes. But feeling like I have that resource to be like, yeah, that looks great. Or to just to engage in it has just been great. So I really love here how Angie mentioned like how great things happening without her are feeling. And I think that's really important for us all to hear because obviously I think there's a part of us that's like, oh my God, of course that would feel amazing for things in my business to be happening without me having to do them. And I also feel like we've seen kind of Angie's resistance to that in some ways. And we all know that we can have that as well, but seeing her be able to step away, go on vacation and know these things are moving forward and know things are happening in her business is such a gift. And so just really wanting to name this and kind of, again, use this as an example. You all have heard Angie talk so much this season about how much she relies on hard work and doing things herself. And so I think really getting to open this session, hearing how happy she is to be on holiday, how great it feels to be supported, how great it feels not having to be the one to execute on everything is really important for us, you know, high achievers, control freaks, hard workers to hear and witness in someone else, because it's not like, oh yeah, it's easy for Angie. It's actually super not easy for Angie and she's still doing it and she's still getting so much out of it and building so much evidence of how helpful that has been for her. So hopefully if you are listening, this does that for you too, because you've really seen her process around it and seen how much she's kind of starting to come out on the other side of some of this. So just really wanted to name this and let this be a a reminder, an invitation, and an example for all of us. You are just like thriving. I love it. (laughs) And you have so much going on. So obviously lots to talk about here too. Yeah. Tell me where you want to start. So I think I should just start with the update on the coaching debacle situation just because I feel like the last time we spoke I don't know where that was at but I was kind of I think it was like it was maybe like five days in or something so like yeah. a lot of the other pieces have not yeah. transpired yet for sure so I was doing the kind of lives about you know not feeling like I hadn't had a refund and an apology and all of these things hadn't hadn't happened with the investment that I made and then the CEO of the company reached out to me and said that, uh, or, or her assistant reached out and said that she wanted to meet with me. So I, I was in England doing some work and then had this meeting, which was kind of strange after all of the time that spent talking about, about it all. And she apologized for what had happened. And what was so interesting about it, I guess it's just the reason I kind of wanted to update you on it was just the kind of knowing that I had gotten to as a consequence of processing how angry I had been about it, knowing Mm. that it was absolutely not okay, the knowing that it was just, you know, regardless of the apology, regardless of whether I ever got a refund, regardless of any of those things, that I was so completely, this is just a no, this has just been bad, this is like not on me at all, that it made that conversation feel really, it's like there was nothing... What's the, there was kind of nothing hinging on it because I'd already yeah I'd already got past that bit it's like yes I got an apology but I already knew that I was deserving of an apology so there wasn't any also there was no axe to grind from my perspective so I was not angry I wasn't attached to it and I just think just as a kind of you know because so many people have reached out to me who were in the moment of feeling really bad about their investments or feeling really like they'd been hoodwinked and all of those kinds of things and I just I guess it was just been the whole process has just been a real 
message learning for me about processing those things properly. Really like feeling the shame, feeling the embarrassment, feeling the anger for like all of those things. And then I also was offered a refund, which I took, obviously. So that, (laughs) yeah, right. So that chapter kind of comes to an end in many ways. I mean, so much to, to say there. I think one thing that I, you know, I know I've said this too, but it feels important to say here too is like, you know, I don't think that this this human gets like a gold star for like eventually coming around to this. Nope. But I think you certainly get a lot of credit for being willing to advocate on your own behalf to get to that point. And I think that's like really the win here is that you you became so rooted in your own power and knowing and like that created change and that also created change for you, right? Because it's how you showed up on this call unattached with her because you're like, I already did everything that was important to me. Like I spoke my truth. I processed my feelings. I said my piece. Like I think it's just such a important example of like sometimes what heals us isn't what we think will heal us. Like it's not getting the apology. It's not always getting the thing. It's like being our own biggest advocate. And I just think that you are such a shining example of that. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I was so unattached by the end yeah. of that. And and like, we're not talking about an insignificant amount of money. And I'm in a position where I was lucky enough to already have kind of gone, I've made the investment, it's done, it's gone. Other people aren't in the same situation. But I think the attachment that I originally felt was about feeling like I'd messed up and actually Mm. having the kind of you know going through that whole cycle and being like no I didn't it just feels so good all right so we have gotten the update I'm so thrilled for Angie that you know this process went the way it did and also it's so cool to see how it didn't have to and that wasn't the point right? Like her discussion on coming from unattachment because she processed the feelings and really took back her power is the most important takeaway we could take from all of this, right? There's so much to learn from everything that Angie has gone through and spoken to, but gosh, that one is so important. That's what we can kind of forget sometimes is it feels like I have to get this outcome or I have to get this thing or it will not be okay. Whether that's the refund that Angie was talking about or like the result in your business. But when you can really go, well, what would look like me taking back my power here? And so in business, the example might be like, it would look like if I played my launch full out, even if I didn't get the result or in this situation for Angie, it looks like, you know, totally advocating and speaking on her behalf, even if it meant she never got the refund. Right. And I just think those moments are so important to take in of what will let me create more detachment here? What will let me feel more powerful here so I don't even have to get the outcome because I already feel good and powerful in how I showed up and how I am being? This is just such a good illustration of it, but it's also a good illustration of because she showed up in that power, because she took up the space for that, she actually got what she wanted too. So I think both you know, play into this really, really well. And I think like a lot of times like that unattachment does move us closer to what we want. And as much as, you know, sometimes we don't want that to be true as control freaks, it usually is. And I think this is a really good example of that. So really, really giving Angie so much credit for the way she kind of stepped back into her power here and was able to approach this so much more detached because she had kind of already gotten what she needed out of it. 
I think like like you said, obviously you were in a specific financial you know situation where that felt like an easier bounce back. But I think in general, like you just really did the important things here, right? You made it about what it was about. You made yourself right. You did the processing. I think you also got in community and had conversations, which obviously is really hard to do with some of these things. But I think that is what as humans makes us understand like what is my role in this? And I think just through a lot of those conversations, you you had some big realizations that it like was not your thing. And I think that, you know, that's how sometimes these things happen in the shadows because we're not talking. And so I think just like you did a really beautiful job of speaking for yourself, but also I think speaking in community, which was, you know, I think probably really healing for you in this too. Mm, yeah, it really was. And I think that the, the, the kind of just to like to – I've been wondering, you know, when you're in something, you don't know what the learning is or what the point of it is or why I've ended up in this situation. And I don't know whether there's always something magical learning in it, but if I try and just pick up the trail of breadcrumbs, there is still this sort of, it is just not fucking okay about, I get to a point where I can take so much and then it's just not okay. And I really see myself in the sort of conversations I've been having with other people, which have been about often just random people who I don't know saying, oh, I just came across this video. It's really helped me because I feel a lot of shame about dot, dot, dot. I really recognize the same thing that I did when I worked in education, which is to work on behalf of children and families, not on behalf of the institution that I was working in often and it like it's like this kind of oh no we're not going to do it like that this is not going to happen like that it's not going to work like that you're fine this institution doesn't work for you as a human being so because it felt like oh I'm suddenly in this kind of coaching world conversation what's the relevance and actually it feels like yes. it's a continuation of the same conversation of where something isn't working for human beings that's what really kind of grinds my gears <laughs> that's the bit that I feel like well your your entire ethos is no shame no blame no guilt right yeah. so it's like everything about everyone being in shame about this your body is like nope no. nope not gonna let it happen right <laughs> not today yeah. friends it's no, 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 no. <laughs> no. yeah which I think like you you had alluded to this last time and when you know when the this is all was all going down but the fact that it's kind of taken you on this journey of like the ethical coaching pledge and all of mm. those things too, I think just like you know, sometimes the universe delivers us what we need when we need it. And it feels like this was just, you know, part of your breadcrumbs, right? Yeah. I mean, yes to that. I think this important conversation about letting go of shame is really important to name too. You know, I think Angie was feeling kind of so overcome with some of the shame of the bad investment. And I know so many of us have felt that way at different times in business. And being able to kind of transmute that is what changed so much for her, being able to go, wait, I actually have nothing to feel shame about here and I can learn from this, right? Really made a big difference. A lot of you know, I worked in substance abuse counseling and I'm, you know, a, a fan of AA. And one of the things that they say is our secrets keep us sick. And I think that's really true here. You know, sometimes like the secret nature of the like bad investment or the secret nature of like, wow, I'm like super unhappy with this deliverable that didn't get delivered in the way it was supposed to, but I'm like not supposed to talk about it. And so I'm like in secret and in shame. And so I feel like Angie kind of really 
shifted that by being like, I am not going to feel shame about this and I'm not going to let this secret keep me sick, right? And I don't, this, this is not a conversation to say anything you're ever unhappy with, go put out on the internet everywhere. Like that's not at all what I'm saying here, but I am saying that sometimes we have to look at like, is the secret actually what's keeping me in shame? And if I spoke it and if I named it, would that shift something for me? And I think here it's really, really obvious how much that shifted for Angie. And I think it's just really important for us all to see that opportunity. I was thinking at the time, oh, this feels, so there's some areas of discomfort for me around even the ethical coaching pledge around having the luminaries program it doesn't matter how long I've been hatching it. It feels like, mm, am I now capitalizing on this tiny little thing that's happened in the coaching world? And that's the only reason, you know, I feel like I don't mm, want this to feel like a bait saying. and switch because, yes, yes, yes. you know, like I did this and now I did I'm this and now, this oh, thing. let me, yeah. And so I've been I kind of that. just sitting with the, with that, that feeling of, it doesn't, I don't know how, how to describe the feeling, but I often feel like, and I remember describing to you at the beginning, I have so many ideas and they're not necessarily all of them need to be enacted. <laughs> Some of them will never be enacted, <laughs> luckily. But there's a, I guess if the trail of breadcrumbs is the important piece, that they hang together, that there's something about it that is about me continuing and therefore it never being a bait and switch. What I do is never a bait and switch because there is no switch. There's just a continuation of the same thing. And it felt like I couldn't, like I, I keep seeing since we've been talking about the ethical coaching pledge and the ethical coach, I just see everywhere, everybody talking about ethics and coaching. So it just feels like a really, it's like an interesting time to just be sort of sitting on, and you know, the ethical coaching thing isn't even a sales thing for me, but sometimes there are these, there are moments, I guess, where lots of things are aligning for lots of people at the same moment. And I don't ever want to feel like I'm just capitalizing on that for its own sake. There's something about it that I don't know what it is. There's a perfectionism or a kind of, I just do not want it to feel like that. So what's been quite nice is to not rush into the pledge, even though, yeah, you know, I maybe I don't rush into it. And then when we eventually move forward with it, which I think we talked about sort of for the full, that it's not as exciting for everybody but I still feel like it has to feel as though it's part of my general body of work and the way that I do things does that make sense it's just you know it's not like oh because I said this one thing here's a quick here's a quick idea for everybody as I've been working with it it's organically becoming part of I you know I can see the ethical coaching pledge being something that just I feel really happy to have offered to the world and that made nothing from. It's just like, oh, there's another thing that just I did and I really enjoyed doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I have a couple of thoughts there that maybe are just like, you know, slightly different to how you're saying it. But I think that like when I think of capitalizing on it, I think number one, like there's something to like, hey, I just went through this thing and how can I use it for my own good? That's not bad. Yeah. Um, I think where it could be bad and like, you know, bad is like a relative term, right? But what I mean by that is like, if you were watching someone else go through this and then you were like, ah, I yeah. shall now go on all of <laughs> Angie's videos and comment about the ethical coaching pledge and, and 
I think that's different than I directly went through this experience and I am like the the holder and owner of that experience. And so how could I not do something with that? Like in in other words, most of us started our business because we went through something and then we turned it into a passion, right? So I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying and I understand what you mean by that perception, but I also do think there's like some more nuance to that, which is like, there is this like way to capitalize on it that feels like you're kind of watching from the peripheries and then like jumping in and sort of like trying to take it over versus like you were the center of this whole thing and getting to use your experiences is like fair and allowed. And I don't think it has to be on any specific timeline, but I don't know that, that, that like little nuanced difference feels yeah. important. Yeah. No, I think that's really helpful. It's just, uh, and actually, I feel quite peaceful about it because I'm watching people talking about it and watching people position themselves around ethics as though they're a new thing, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I think they've always been there. <laughs> like, we've just discovered. Oh my gosh, that really cracked me up. <laughs> yes. Like, I've just found I've just this discovered thing America. Yeah. Like, mm. it's, so it's funny times. But yeah, the ethical coaching pledge, it just also has started to feel less out there and more in here and the way that I'm working. So I feel like I've got to update, download loads of things. I was working with this designer. She's amazing. And she does all of, our, all of my stuff. And she, she kind of did a version of the, of the logo and she called it the ethical consultant. And I just thought, oh, so nice to have something that coaches, service providers, consult, like people could use who are not just coaches, yes. which made it feel more comfortable for me because also that's the area that I'm working in. At the same time, I had to do recently um, a series of compliance checks for a contract. So larger organizations want to have the various you know, compliance checks. And what's interesting is the suite of policies that are kind of required of you if you are saying you're a consultant. It's not so easy-ozy. I'm coaching and like, you know, give me the money. It's actually very have you got this and have you got this and what's your commitment to? And then, you know, they listed out the policies and I actually do have those policies because they're often part of what you need to do when you're signaling that you can accredit people. So one of my programs has an accreditation and it just really started me thinking about how I let go of 20K without any checks mm. or balances. Also my end as yeah. the consumer other people are letting go of similar money institutionally and they're doing all the checks and balances. So it's kind of started to feel like this isn't also just out there, like, oh, this company did this to me. This is also in here. Ah, do I have these things in place? And am I conveying that kind of confidence in my own practice, in my own business that I can get you over the line of whatever I say I'm going to do in terms of DEI that I'm expecting from other people? So it's been a, it's been a nice Mm -hmm. bringing together of different things and also that helps me feel like I'm creating something not out of you did this terrible thing and I'm going to show you through everything I create now how it should be done but actually to model it in my own practice which feels much more congruent for me so that's kind of bubbling along the ethical the ethical coach and the ethical consultant are going to exist it's going to be one pledge there are five values that I have linked to the pledge and the pledge then is the kind of how the articulation of those values and people can choose to sign up to it without having to pay anything just to say these are the things that I'm saying I'm going to do. And then 
someone knows they can check them on those things. Exactly, basically. exactly. Yeah. So you, as a consumer, can hold somebody to account. And of course, it's not, le- you know, it's not this going to be enshrined in law, but I think that then becomes this conversation about, well, I was kind of expecting these things and you've done these things. And the nice thing about the pledge is that you can decide how you enact a pledge. So it's not like you have to do these series of bullet point things that I say. I say these are the values and these are the sorts of things that that, that one could do to enact those values. But you as the person who is the coach or the consultant writes your pledge on the, you know, and, and kind of externalizes those values for yourself, which again, for me as a practitioner made me go, oh yeah, so it's sovereignty. It's about coaches and consultants having sovereignty, deciding for themselves how this looks. And it's not that I fear being a leader. It's actually that I don't think leadership looks like me saying, as a consequence of one experience I had, everybody else now needs to do these things. So, yeah. Well, I think that's where the ethics thing always goes wrong, is where someone pedestals themselves, right? Yeah. As like the pinnacle of, you know, ethics or whatever. And that's always where it goes off the rails. So I think this is so much better because it's, it is sovereignty. It isn't you as like, I am right. Follow me. It's like, here are some values, decide what you do with them. And I think that also just aligns to how you show up in everything. So yeah, totally agree. I think a really important conversation that's happening here is this idea of like modeling versus finger pointing and no one kind of positioning themselves as like the pinnacle of ethics, right? I think what Angie's doing with the pledge is really important and really something valuable for our industry because it's this way of having a clear stance on values without it kind of being like, I am the one who is doing it right and perfect and all of you are not. I've certainly been speaking out a bit more about different things I see in our industry and I always personally find that line really tough of, you know, how can I kind of speak to what I'm seeing that I feel like is harmful to people without kind of finger pointing or being like, and I am the one who is the pillar of being right, you know, like I think there's always such a a tough line there and there's such a challenge in kind of both speaking to what we're seeing but also not pedestaling ourselves in that process. And I think that Angie is just like building this really, really useful way to be able to do that. And so I just wanted to name that, right? Like the best thing we can do in terms of ethics is model it, right? The best thing we can do is not put one person on this kind of pedestal as like the ethical coach or or anything like that. And, you know, I do worry a bit in this podcast that because Angie went through that whole situation, like it could get positioned like I am now the ethical coach or something along those lines. And I just want to be really clear here that that is not true. I am not the pinnacle of perfection in this arena. No one is. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all doing the best we can. We're all trying to pay attention to this and our values. And, you know, obviously, maybe we all have different values on this, but This isn't like about one person being right and one person being wrong or one person doing it right and one person doing it wrong. This is about like, are we taking a stance for our values? Are we acting in alignment with that? So just wanted to really name all of that because that feels really important to say here is that there is no one coach or way that is like the ultimate guru on this. And there are ways like what Angie's building with the pledge that we can all be more clear on where we stand with this. And I think that's what's important. Yeah, so that's there. And then I shared with you when I was in, just before I went to Crete, the outline for the luminaries. Yes. 
which also felt like, oh, yeah, this, this is stuff that I teach on. This is, this is really my thing. So that was good because, again, that was feeling a little bit like, am I just making something up that has kind of comes as a consequence of this experience that now meets the coaching world? No, this is stuff I've been working on for a long time. This is stuff I've met in my experience of buying coaching over the years, of hearing about coaching over the years, of being in the coaching industry that I think will not just be, again, I don't think it's a must-have. I just think it's going to be a really helpful addition. So it feels like I'm creating a course from the perspective of what would really help, not what would really help me or how can I make money. And it's such a sort of interesting kind of place to create from because I just feel like there's endless Re- there's endless amounts of content as you saw <laughs> from the outline <laughs> that I need to cover in two and a half hours <laughs> so I yeah I sent you I think I haven't done any work since I sent you that outline I don't think did I send you the whole program I can't remember now or maybe I just sent you the first session I think you just sent me the first yeah 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 okay I think that you we had talked about like what could we how could we restructure yeah. it? But I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, something really helpful there is like the reason that was easy for you is because that material already exists. And it's like what you're saying. It's not like you were like, let me go spin something up really quick to like hit this mark of this place that I'm at in terms of like having some visibility around this. I think it was just like, oh, I'm seeing how the things I teach are missing in this realm. And so what's the application? And I think that's why that happened so easily. And I think it's just like to keep like letting yourself off the hook there a little bit that I don't think you're doing anything wild here by kind of being like, oh, I literally teach ethical leadership and (laughs) D&I and all of those things. And so like this is just a contribution I can make, right? And like I think the other thing is it's not like – and not that this would even be wrong, but it's just like worth naming. It's not like you're you're like – trying to manufacture this whole business around it. Like you have a whole business and it's going really well. (laughs) Like this is just something that like feels like on your heart, I think after everything that you just kind of personally went through. And I also think the thing about what you just went through is that it wasn't just you going through it. Like I know you had hundreds of people reach out to you. And I think that that like that lights a fire in us sometimes. And you're like, I know I have something that helps solve this. So all that to say like, you know, could someone be suspect of the timing? I mean, I guess, sure. But like, how else would you have like even kind of realized the underbelly of what was happening here to know that this was something that you wanted to bring to this space, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it's just, it is me externalizing the kind of worst thoughts I often have probably about other people and their timing. And I'm just sort of turning it around on me. And I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't actually feel true of what the feedback I'm getting from other people when they hear that I'm, you know, putting this program together. And it also just doesn't feel true when I look at the material and the content of the program. I think I have some things that I really do want to work through in the next few weeks, though, around the structure of this program, because again, I feel like it's almost, I can feel myself being like, how can I tell you everything that I need you to know? (laughs) Which I don't think everybody needs to hear everything that I think they need to know. So yeah, 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 yeah. And also, like, could that be like a like is that almost like a detractor? Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And what's needed is 
often to is to get into a topic, not necessarily to understand the whole topic forever. And like people also want them to kind of find their way into the learning and not to feel like if they don't get it all in one go, then they somehow they failed. So it, it maybe needs to feel a little more introductory than the way that I'm currently. It's not that I'm positioning it differently. It's just that my mind naturally goes to the big kind of massive, okay, I think you need to know all of these things. So there's something about it that I'm finding tricky in balancing what I feel is quite deep content with time and, you know, honoring people's time and respecting that if you do a three-month program or even like four months or however long or six, whatever it is, how I, I want people to feel like they haven't bitten off more than they can chew. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes you invest in things and then you think, oh, this is just too much. And it's not even about the amount yeah. you've invested. It's about you feeling like you've let yourself down because you haven't been able to get through it all. So I just, yeah, I'm kind of in that soup at the moment. I think, I mean, obviously, like when I looked at it, I think that was something I kind of said to you. I'm like, this feels like a lot in the amount of time that we have to deliver it. I think you kind of get to decide here in terms of like, I think you are someone that has very big picture thinking and you're good at like kind of going meta with things. And so if, if that's not something we want to like work against or take away, like I think we just make the program longer. I know that was something we had talked about in base camp, right? And I'm, that tends to be the one I'm slightly more in favor of because I think it's just like leaning into what you're good at and your strengths versus like trying to almost be like, it has to be shorter. So how do you cut all of this down and all of this stuff? Like, I think the solution might be more just spaciousness because the thing that's nice about a, a program like this too is like, there is no rush to get it done. In fact, I'm sure that's like the piece that you're going to be teaching is that bit, like, this is like forever and ever and ever ongoing. And so there's no reason for us to try to like cram it into 12 weeks. You know, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, but that's like, and immediately what comes up for me is like, what, like, do we have to make it harder for you where you have to kind of cut all this down, you know? Cause I mean, you could, and is that just like, are you pushing a boulder up a hill yeah. that you don't need to, right? Okay, so I want to talk about why I suggested here lengthening the program versus kind of trimming it down. That's not necessarily always what I would suggest to a client. It would really depend. And so it feels important to name that here. But I think a lot of a theme of this season has been really matching Angie's kind of natural rhythms, natural inclinations, natural energy patterns, that kind of thing. And I think this aligns to that, right? It's like matching what is her natural way of teaching and operating versus trying to kind of like push her into this box that she certainly could fit in if she wanted to, but doesn't necessarily. I think you guys have all witnessed this on the podcast, right? Like Angie's so articulate. She's a very big picture thinker. She can really riff on something in a beautiful way. And so I think you know, building a program that kind of takes those pieces away certainly is possible, but it's not necessarily preferable. Where someone else might be the exact opposite, right? Like I might have a client who's actually really good at just being super succinct and delivering something really simply, and they'll come to me feeling a lot of pressure to put more and more and more in their program. And I'll say the opposite to them, right? I, I'll say, why don't we trim it down? Like, this is what you're good at. You're so good at making it succinct. Let's go there. Right, where with Angie, it's like, you're so good at taking us big picture. You're so good at telling us the why behind it and like compelling us to listen to this narrative that you so beautifully paint, like take us there, right? So I think it's just important to say, 
it's not like there's one right way to structure a program. It's like, what is the way that best matches how this person most effectively delivers content and then can we position the program to match that? Because if we do, that's when someone's probably gonna get the most out of it. If we try to kind of work against that, again, obviously it's possible, but I just don't usually think it generates the best outcome. It feels much nicer for me when you say, oh yeah, that creates spaciousness because I know that I, as you say, I'm big picture. I like to go deep and, you know, I like the big picture. I also just feel like I'm just about to launch the Melanated Mastermind again, which is the program I run for women of color. And I had a really small, like I had 12 women in the first cohort. So the second cohort I want to run from September. One of the things that I did was, this was the first time I tried to do a shorter, like to have fewer sessions. So it was five months and it was three sessions every month because I wanted to have a week where I wasn't, you know, getting everyone online and that there was time to kind of process. So I did it. The model was I did a teaching and then we had sort of coaching mentoring sessions for two of the other weeks in the month. But for this cohort, what I realized in doing that is that it wasn't enough time. So it wasn't actually that five months, I mean, it always feels too short for me, but five months was right. Three would have been too short. Four would have been too short. Five seems right. Six probably would have been too long. But we need a session every week. And we just did. And it just became frustrating not having that time to process some of the things that were coming up. So I think I would like to have an element of this. I'd like it to stretch over a longer period. When I've been thinking about the things that I, I guess are important to me, there is a piece that every month I like to hold space for the teaching. There's a kind of a this is the topic, this is the thing. But then also I really love the space to hold room for, I like to facilitate the thinking that people have around the teaching. And so I haven't yet got my head around what that could look like or how that's described because, you know, or whether the, the kind of teaching bit is something that I need to do live. I feel like it is, but that's also because that's the way that I've always worked because I feel like I can communicate really well to people and people can ask for clarification and we can model through what that really looks like. But it, just because I've always done it like that doesn't mean that that's the way to do it. <laughs> so I'm really open to your ideas about structure, I guess. Do you typically teach the same things each time? It's just that it takes on a slightly different flavor because it's live or how has that been? Or are they like pretty different based on like the group and where they're at and what they're needing? So with the Being Luminary program, it's in its like, I guess it's now in its third year. So I teach the same things. What I have been able to do is move a lot of that into evergreen content that the participants yeah. access themselves. I facilitate space for key parts of that content that if they haven't oh. read watched or understood before they do that facilitated piece it's going to be really difficult so I've become better at saying this needs to be done before we can have that conversation and so I'm, I guess I'm curious about a six-month program whether people would feel like they had enough structure and support to do some of that learning on their own or whether you know if I was running the luminaries for the first time I guess my fear would be I'm not as used to teaching the materials in the way that I'll be teaching them in the luminaries to be able to say with pinpoint accuracy, you need to have done this, read this and completed this in order for us to facilitate the yeah. discussion. And I'm so used with the Being Luminary program. I mean, I delivered it every week for like two and a half years. I know exactly the moments that people are going to go, 
Oh, right. Yeah, I see. So I can, you know, having seen hundreds of people through it, I know that that aha moment is going to happen at that moment if they've done the right bits of of pre-work. So, okay, sorry. I just want to make sure, like, I'm answering the the right thing. But are we talking about how are we structuring luminaries or are we talking about how are we structuring melanies? Sorry, the luminaries. Yeah, sorry. I just went off on a tangent then. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) No, I'm back with you. I just wanted to like totally make sure. Okay, okay, okay. So I think that because it is like slightly different, like you said, I think it probably does make sense to do it live, not necessarily because you have to, but I think because I imagine that like you getting that feed off of it while it's kind of in this slight transition to this space would be really worthwhile for you. And I think that, you know, I hate to say this because it's like really annoying to say, but it's like, you know, people are going to buy it because they want to work with you, you know? And so I think that element is probably like worth having in it, you know? And I know that sometimes we can all like eye roll that because we're like, oh, but I like want to just be able to like build these things where people don't no. need me. But I think no. like that probably is Oh no, be I like being needed. I like, and I love teaching. So it's totally, fu- it's yeah. completely fine. I guess it's, I somehow feel a little bit against the grain sometimes in terms of industry kind of have everything just available online and, you know, you kind of show up for a community call thing. There's something, it's not exactly against the grain, but I think there's something about this work. What am I, okay, let me start again. I think what I'm trying to safeguard is that I constantly make everything about me. So Mm. I guess I need the feedback or the question at least of do you really need to be there or do you just like to always be there? I really like to be there. And I think for this work, and again, I guess I need to question the idea that because it's DEI work, I have to kind of guide the process. And that can become a little bit egocentric, like, oh, I know about this, so you need to do it in this way. But I do feel quite strongly that there is a way that I envisage the program being understood. And so I guess in its first iteration... It wouldn't exactly. be safe to just, you know, be in it, right in it, and then see how that unfolds. I really, like, I, speaking of going against the grain, I think what I'm about to say certainly certainly does as well. But I think sometimes on, like, these bigger topics where we're asking people to question every foundational belief <laughs> they have and things like that, like, yes, guidance is important. Like, I just don't know why that's gotten billed as such a terrible thing. And so, yes, I think it makes sense because it's the first round, but who knows? Maybe it will make sense forever. Maybe you will get support coaches for this version of it, just like you have gotten in your consulting arena. Like, uh, we'll see. But I think like you are doing like such deep foundational work that the idea that a presence to guide them in it isn't worth it, right, all of those things, just like, it really truly makes no sense yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, great. But I love to hear it. I love to hear that. Yeah. So in that case, then, thinking about this as a six-month program in which I have quite a heavy presence, I guess, that, that there's a regular, what did I say, 12? I think I've got 12 sessions. 12, yes. And so that's one every other week. Yep. And and I think of the 12, like one is a closing session and one is an opening. So, I mean, like that's part, like something to consider in that. But anyway, go on. So those are sort of, I'm seeing that as those are quite, they're taught sessions, but they're quite, I mean, I tend to do sort of workshop, quite yes. dense workshop sessions supported by a workbook with stuff to do beforehand and some takeaway stuff as well. So in the interim weeks, do you think that that's a, 
a coaching a group coaching session or a, or or just a let people get on with the work? I think it's more like let them dive into the work and then maybe we can have a space where they can come ask questions or process that. But I think also if they're doing pre-work for the workshop, like can we just have a short amount of time after the workshop where they can ask questions yeah, or something nice. versus having to have like another, another call. call, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. So that's some spaciousness for me as well. Yes. <laughs> In terms of not on a weekly schedule. Yeah. Right? And again, you know, to go back to the point we were just making deep, important stuff, like, do they have enough spaciousness to kind of process that? And it doesn't mean they don't have you as their guide or they can't come back and ask questions. But I think like, yeah, like the the combination of support and spaciousness, I think is what we're going for. And I feel like that accomplishes it, you know? Okay. Okay, good. Great. And so I've got the pledge plans for did we talk about a date i think did we say september or september. october yes so september to launch the pledge and i'm on the case with somebody's just putting together a really basic page for that a single website page kind of situation that will be september the pledge i have to tease you for one second though. oh no <laughs> you had actually i think initially said august oh did i so are, can okay. we agree oh did i when we're talking yeah well you said like august september and i think like yeah. right so let's i think do august oh i was gonna say oh let's do okay let's do september <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're you're still on vacation yeah it, we're we're way okay. towards the end of july like i think yeah okay so September, <laughs> September the pledge. Yes, yes. October, the summit. Yep. And and mastermind. Yeah. And January. Did we say January? What we had talked about is November and January, like potentially That's right. opening it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like in November for like a short period of time where people could sign up for a, a January start and then reopening in January for a short period of time. Yeah. Okay. What we had said specifically, I think, is like November 1st, open like a first enrollment period and then January 3rd, like a second enrollment period and then to start on the 24th. We can, we can move that obviously, but yeah. I think that would be good to have some dates. So what I'm finding now is... You'll be unsurprised to hear from the person that didn't even know what a workflow was last year. It would be <laughs> really helpful to have now for me to be thinking, okay, this is a, like, I think it's called a calendar where people <laughs> plan when they're having a launch and then they work backwards <laughs> so that things happen on the date that they're supposed to. That's typically what one would call People that, yes. do those things, right? <laughs> because I've noticed that, that my lovely OBM is actually doing those things with the summit. So I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Like this day, this needs to happen yes. now. And it's so amazing to work with somebody who's got such a different <laughs> mind. And I was like, I was literally like, are we writing to the summit? Like, are we inviting guests to the summit? And she was like, I think we need to get this thing done and this thing done and this thing done first. And then we'll be in a position to and look at like, that. Oh yeah. Cause if we just quick start and do that job, then we're going to have to be chasing our tail to do all of these things. So it's... <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's I hysterical. I yeah. love that. So I'm kind of at the position and I've talked to I've talked to my OBM as well about applying her brain to some of these other projects as well, so that we can start to move towards 
we actually know what's being launched and when and what needs to have happened before then to get there. So I know this all sounds like complete chaos right now, but I'm kind of, you know, I think it fits. I think you need to work backwards, right? But I do think that it fits. Like I think that like the timeline is is tight, but like the pledge is nothing in terms of like, you know, it's like there's delivery on the other side of that for you, right? Like I think biggest lift is going to be getting some stuff set up for luminaries and like you know, luckily we're, we're seven, six months out from that in terms of like the actual delivery. So I think, I think you're in a good place, but I obviously agree very much that like, that doesn't mean don't calendar it. It means do calendar it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with, in terms of luminaries, as in the course content, I feel really good about where it's at and really confident about having that all written and ready for delivery by the fall I kind of want to be in that position where it's all yeah that was where I was with with the melanated mastermind was a good few months before it was everything was written workbook was done it you know it was ready to go I think what I always fail to think about is how launches work so when you open when you start talking about it what it looks like on social media to do that and the same thing with my mailing list so I think I've been you know again I'm sort of new to the having things ready for delivery. And it's like, okay, second and third time round, I can now get into the, what does it, you know, how do we launch this thing? Not five minutes before it starts, but actually with a sort of <laughs> runway. Yes. I mean, I think the first thing I would do, like just to make this easy, and then obviously maybe what we can do next call is just like go through like more fine tooth comb. But I think like the very first thing I would say to do here which I don't know if everyone recommends going in this order, but I always do for a specific reason, is write the sales page for luminaries. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I feel like that lands the rest of the launch. Typically, it's like, okay, like let's actually get on paper what we're saying. What is our message? What are we delivering? What are we like? How long is it? All of that. And then we can start pulling everything else off of that. So I think that that would be my first step. I would say you and I next time probably need like a more detailed conversation yeah. around calendar yeah. dates, all of that, even though we Perfect. have some of it, not a lot of it. Yeah, that but sounds good. for you, I think just start pen to papering some stuff around the sales page. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I've had somebody helping me with other sales pages before, but I think I'm going to write this one based on the kind of structure that I've got for other pages. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the idea of starting with the sales page. I don't think that's typically the most like traditional advice, but the reason I, I always say that to clients is because we almost need like a hub for this launch to exist from. Like, what is our program length? What is our promise? What is our message? What is like the price point? And 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 the sales page answers all of those questions. Right, when does it start, et cetera, et cetera. Like it makes you decide on so many things that will need to work backwards on the other things. So like it makes you decide on the messaging so that everything that we create to market it comes from that. It makes you decide on like all of the program details. So everything backs off from that. So I think it's just really helpful sometimes to create that like hub, so to speak, that you and your team can work off of because then you're not answering the same question 15 times. You're not like, wait, what date does it start again? Oh yeah, we should put that in the calendar here. Wait, what date does it start in? Oh yeah, that's gonna have to go on the sales page later. Wait, what date does it start on? It needs to go, wait, 
there's one place where everyone can go to kind of access the bulk of information and you're making sure you're building it in alignment with what you're kind of saying you're selling and what you're saying you're promising here. So I always think that is the easiest place to start. And I think that typically is the way that works best in terms of also getting things delegated to other people on your team to run with it from there. So if you're thinking about doing that soon, I highly, highly recommend the sales page as your kind of first starting point. Okay, that's good. I can start drafting that. I might send that to you instead of sending you copious outlines of like a million different things that we're going to do in every session. <laughs> that seems good. That seems worth it. <laughs> yes, I think that's good. I think it also just helps you, I think, feel clear and even maybe be able to go back and refine those outlines a little bit because it's like you have the like stated promise and deliverables somewhere and now we like match that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. And that always feels like quite a relief when I've got a sales page done. I know what's happening. Can I just ask one more quick question before Absolutely. we finish up? The pledge I have just put, it's completely unrelated to being Luminary. Does that sound fine to you? Yes. I haven't linked. It's a separate domain, website, everything. Yes, yeah? I actually cool. love that. Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. Good. I think that that's what you're you were naming earlier of like not wanting it to feel like, well, I'm just doing this thing. So you buy this thing. It's like, no, this is a separate project, whether you ever even know who I am or not. Like this feels important in its own right. Yeah. But we will link it to the summit. And so there will be an announce, you know, a kind of the, this pledge is available for people in the hopes that obviously people who are coaches who come to the summit will want to sign up to that pledge. Absolutely. Okay. So good. I think you can make a link to the pledge on being luminary. Yeah. Just so yeah. clear. And yeah. I think on the pledge, you can certainly have like a section about you that tells them where they can go find you. Really? Like, it's not like we have to go dark in that yeah, yeah, sense, yeah. but I do like, think like, yes, dark. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure I, I just, uh, that's how I felt. So I did them as completely separate entities and then, yeah. Okay. Amazing. All right. Well, you have the best time. Thank have you. For me. I'll have all the baguettes <laughs> for you and I'll eat all the cheese for you and all of the wine that they produce in this region. I'll finish it all up. Okay. Thank you. Much right. appreciated. You enjoy. <laughs> I'm here. I'm excited to see sales page outline and we'll go from there. Brilliant. Thanks, Lacey. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business, but are short on time, then you are going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.